At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I hope you have your pen and paper out because I'm about to bring Tim Quast on and Tim just goes. <laughs> Luke, it's nice to see you. Thank Good you for to that. See you as I've, well. I've, now I've got to be ca- caffeine. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best caffeine imitation. Oh, you, you just get running. We, we, I, I know you got it. Uh, and, and with that, Tim, I will let you take it away. Okay. Thank you very much, Luke. And it's a good segue, frankly, from uh, the, what, the, the topic that we're going to cover today uh, is options expirations and what it means to you as a trader. But it all comes back to uh, what you should know about options expirations as an equity trader. Uh, and I'll explain what that means. Uh, in order to understand whether demand in the equity market is going to increase or decrease, we have to understand the forces behind it uh, because the stock market is the death star. We didn't coin that term. And if you, it comes from the Star Wars movies where the Empire had this weapon called the Death Star. And it's a, it came out at T. Rowe Price. The portfolio managers complained to the trading team that you keep telling us you can't buy or sell this or that thing. How come? And the trading team led by Met Kanak, I know him well, have been on panels with him. He said, here's why. He had his team draw up a schematic and he said, this is why we tell you those things. We are the buyer on the left. You don't have to know all the details. Uh, Screen left, there is a buyer. Screen right, there is a seller. And in order for the two to meet, for us to find a seller of what we want to buy, we have to navigate this with algorithms. Not over 95% of trades are handled by algorithms. The market is 100% electronic today. Even if you think you are manually entering orders at your online brokerage, it's, it's, it's being routed into an algorithm through a smart order router and into this marketplace. And we tend to think that the stock market is down on the corner of Broad and Wall Streets in uh, downtown New York City, and I've been on the floor of the NYSE uh, numerous times, and uh, uh, it's not there. It's in New Jersey. The NYSE servers are in Mawa. Uh, The NASDAQs are in Carteret. The rest of them are in Secaucus, and they're connected together in this data network. Now, what does that have to do with you as a trader? Well, now you have a picture. This is what the market does, and that process 
in the middle becomes an end unto itself and it changes the behaviors and options are going to play a key part of that because there is more than one behavior in the stock market. It's not just investors trying to buy things in classic bottom-up Benjamin Graham intelligent investor fashion, buy and hold money. That is 9% over here on the left of aggregate demand in the stock market as a percentage of volume. Yes, even though 98% of what you hear on CNBC and other business media is how stocks are being driven by this or that fundamental rational consideration. It's 9% of volume. More than twice as large is passive investment behavior. This would be coming from uh, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. Indexes, exchange-traded funds, quantitative funds, they're following a model, and the two are the exact opposite. Stock pickers want things that will be superior to the average. Passive money wants things that are the average. Things that are superior cause tracking errors. They don't want superior things. And the greater that force becomes, the more likely things are to migrate to the mean, to the average. Then racing through the Death Star of the stock market and representing 53% of the trading volume is what we call fast trading. Uh, they don't even want to own anything at the end of the day. That's Citadel Securities, Virtu, Hudson River Trading, Two Sigma, Quant Lab, Jane Street, Infinium, GTS firms you may never have heard of, but they're major forces. And then finally, at 18%, twice the size of aggregate demand from stock pickers is what we call risk management, and those are trades tied to derivatives options, futures, swaps. So we're getting to the core of what we want to talk about today. And the whole market is about demand and supply. One of the beautiful things about the stock market is it gets down to the core of basic economics. If we can measure demand and supply, we can know where the imbalances are. We want to buy excess demand and sell excess supply. But the first thing is to understand where those reside. And options are implied demand. You could say implied supply, too. Puts are implied supply. Uh, and so if those things are equal, say at each point where we, we arrive where they're going to expire because options expire, over 90% of all options expire without being used, which is why, suppose, you're the other side of that trade. How much of the asset are you likely to own in case that people have to exercise them? Well, 10% right? If 90% expire. Uh, so if implied demand from derivatives and underlying real demand are unchanged period to period, the market continues apace. But what happens if the implied demand in the form of options vanishes? Now we have a supply-demand imbalance. Wouldn't it be nice to know where that's going to occur in a simple way? Uh, well, that's what we're going to talk about here today. And this is a messy slide. You don't have to see all the numbers. I'll show you the things that are important. This is the, the size of the derivatives market as measured by the Bank for International Settlements. And the over-the-counter market, we can't see it. It's like bent light by gravity. We can't see gravity, but we can see how light bends if you're thinking about uh, you know, astronomical principles. Well, the over-the-counter derivatives market is $582 trillion dollars. Now add in the exchange-traded market of futures and options. This is globally. And there's another $83 trillion. So the derivatives market that's going to reset periodically, we're going to talk about monthly expirations, is $665 trillion. In effect, the entire output of the planet is eight times leveraged. 
It's very much like a hedge fund. A hedge fund, if a hedge fund has $10 billion in assets, it probably has 80 to $90 billion of economic impact because it will borrow or use derivatives to expand that 10 billion to eight or nine more times. Well, effectively, that's what derivatives are. Now, it's notional value. It doesn't mean it's going to come to fruition, but it's important to understand that that's how large it is. And they expire. So we're looking at July 2021. And this calendar comes from the Options Clearing Corp. I'm using the Options Industry Council's version. We have a version. I'll show you. Uh, and this just occurred. Right? This just happened. Uh, in, on the 15th and 16th of July, we're op options related to indexes and uh, what's called triple witching, options and futures, and, uh, and single stock, uh, stock futures and options and index options that expired. And it's quad witching four times a year. And there are five crucial days every month where you're going to see these things reset. Well, we want to understand what supply and demand are heading into them. The 19th was when new options traded. What happened to the market on the 19th? It plunged. On the 20th, it recovered. Those, that Tuesday, we call it Counterparty Tuesday because the banks who are behind the options that expired on the 16th and that began trading on the 19th true up the books. And they know. They know what the supply-demand equation is. Let's suppose that the demand for options has declined 1% and short volume in the market has increased 1%. Well, that's an implied 2% decline. Well, if I'm a bank, I could bet on that and true it up on the 20th. On the 19th, then all of punditry wrings its hands talking about COVID fears and peak growth and inflation and the rush into bonds. And what if it's not that at all? What if it's options expirations? That's pretty important to know. And I'm going to show you some more data that affirms that that is often the case. Uh, so continuing here, this is what I mentioned. You go over to Edge, you can click using Edge on the platform. And in the FAQs, the very first question is, you talk often about options expirations. Is there a calendar? Yeah, we have one. You can click on that. And we, it's over on the modern IR side, the sister company. But it's a great explanation of how these things work and, and why we should know about them. So continuing to the stock market, you know, it seems to be this immovable edifice. It's a giant construct. Uh, it's 50 trillion of market cap in the U.S. Daily volume is 10 billion shares. And it's been even higher, 15 billion shares a year ago, 600 billion in notional value thousands of securities. What could possibly move that? It would seem to be very powerful and strongly grounded. And yet it resides on top of this massive global derivatives market that is 11 times larger than that. And that derivatives market is continually rolling. There are contracts that roll, that get renewed, that get expanded, that get decreased. And the bumps occur about the third week of each month. We're going to know that that's coming. And uh, if it's 18% of market cap, if 18% of U.S. market cap ties to derivatives, that's a pretty important thing to know. And I'll talk about what I do. Or I look, there are times when I simply would prefer to wait. I'd like to avoid the bumps and catch the other side. Uh, you know, Mike can teach you how to hedge so that maybe you can profit through the bump and then return to where demand is, is uh, where there's excess demand and uh, limited supply and profit on the equity side of the, the coin. So the question is, how do we know? Is there a way to know that into options expirations are stocks likely to rise or fall? And the answer is yes. Edge will show you this. 
there are some there are five easy steps to learning edge and we'll talk about those but it's all built on the idea of demand and i'm using it in this uh, this sequence on purpose and supply and there's a fulcrum that sits between them uh, the, the, and understanding this is the whole point of edge. And of course, if there is excess demand, what does prices tend to do? Well, they tend to rise. So we want to find excess demand. When supply is in excess, prices tend to fall. And so we want to avoid those things. Or if you, you're good at shorting, I'm not. If you are uh, or using derivatives, then you can profit to the downside. But the, the key is to know when those things occur and the role of options expirations in that. So here appears to be kind of a complicated chart. It's not really. It's quite simple. This is at marketstructureedge.com. And this is easy step number five. It's the, it's the last thing we teach people, which is to manage overall risk. The first thing you want to do is understand the dashboard. When you're standing on the bridge, uh, looking at the gauges, you want to understand what it's telling you about what's occurring in the market. Then you want to create portfolios so you could isolate. Let's say, what's happening in electric ve vehicles, EV? Let's build a portfolio and see what the demand supply equation is there uh, or whatever you would like to do. Uh, then you want to understand entries and exits. How do I find rising demand against flat supply or falling supply so that I can capture those gains? And where is demand peaking and declining and supply increasing so I can avoid those? And it will show you that's entries and exits. We always want to backtest our data. And then we come to this. So this is the waxing and waning. That purple line is the waxing and waning of demand in the stocks comprising the S&P 500. And in a normal market, they're going to rise and fall. Money will come into equities, and then indexes and ETFs will become overweight equities, and they'll reweight, and then there'll be underweight equities, and they'll reweight. And so long as more money is coming into the market than leaving it, uh, those patterns will continue to rise. And there's a fulcrum at five. You know, the gains in stocks tend to lie above five on this 10-point scale of sentiment. Broad, you know, broad market sentiment, market structure sentiment. And the more time the market spends above that line, the better it tends to do. And it's causal. So there's cause and then effect. And so the cause back here of this very nice period where all that COVID money and the enthusiasm of trading stocks was very strong, then that fed into an effect of rising stocks. Uh, and if if the, if the equation is above the red line, if demand is above the red line, then we know that things are getting overweight. Maybe we remove a little cash and then we avoid the dips in the market. And when the, the, the demand equation reverses direction, then maybe we put more money back to work. Uh, and then we use the green line of four to tell us, well, now it's oversold and it's likely to rise. It's just a very simple way to understand the fluctuations in the market. Now look at this relative to options expirations. In May, then again in June and here in July, all of these dips coincided A, with options expirations and B, with peaked demand. So if the demand is peaked and declining, what may happen? Well, it may be telling us that options have become expensive and maybe people re-benchmark to those at a slightly lower rate and that will cause trouble in the market. It may be very brief. But it also tells us that the trouble is not in the equity market. We could talk all day about how great earnings are and the comparatives year over year because economic steam has picked up, uh, the accommodative monetary policy, fiscal policy, all the reasons why equities will do well. But what if the trouble is in derivatives? 
What if nobody's thinking about that? Remember, I'm not, and I'm, look, I'm not predicting doom. I'll, well, you know, I look at this chart and this, this weakening demand curve, and I think, yes, trouble is going to come. That's telling us that demand is not as great as it used to be, and it's working its way toward five. And so that will become an issue at some point. Uh, but we want to understand that, and, it, and uh, it's measurable. That's the beautiful thing. We can see what's happening. There's a core takeaway from all of this. Uh, you know, the lesson is going into options expirations. If we see that the demand side in the broad market has peaked and is beginning to decline, that tends to hurt stocks. It suggests weaker derivatives demand. So what I do into those periods, maybe I'll even back up and say that at these two, these three points, I took my, I was out around these periods. I'll go to cash right before it, then I come back in. I go to cash and then I'm back in. This way I avoid the divots. Now maybe it fully recovers, but if you can avoid the divots and keep your gains, then your returns are better. My trading account is at an all-time record high, just like the broad measures, but better. And you can avoid these, not perfectly, there is no perfect system. It's very much like, uh, you know, Winston Churchill described democracy. It's the uh, worst form of government in the world, except for all the others. There's no perfect metric here, but it can help us do that. Back to our lessons. The second lesson here is the reverse of that, that rising demand into options expirations tends to help stocks. And we can use that to our advantage. It implies more leverage, more long bets. As those things change, we want certainly to be aware of that. I was going to tell you that back to mortgage-backed securities. I'm not, again, I'm not predicting doom. I don't think that way. I just follow the math. I'm a quantitative analyst uh, who knows market structure. And supply and demand fluctuate in regular predictive ways. Uh, at some point, that nexus will be reached where supply and demand uh, no longer give us an advantage and the market will break down. Why? Because there's a spread between the bid and the offer in the market. Perfect supply and demand will lead to a decline in the market. Mortgage-backed securities were the downfall of real estate, not real estate. Mortgage-backed securities enabled derivatives to expand demand, implied demand, and it drove up the prices of real estate. When real estate ro stopped rising in value, then all the implied demand vanished because it's not worth anything, and the market collapsed. So the same principle can apply. That's, we just want to be aware, again, going back to this idea of understanding how something works so that we can be successful at it. So you would say, well, so what, Quast? This is very interesting, but what we care about is trading. I, how I, I, I like this? how you built the so what, Quast, <laughs> into the slide. That was a nice touch. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So let's finish here by looking at actual data. And I'm going to take you over to, uh, to uh, my screen once again and the... And the, the dashboard, I want to go actually to the dashboard. This is Market Structure Edge. So if you've never logged on before, here is the bridge of the ship. The dashboard will tell you about and, demand and, and, and supply. And really quick, Tim, guys, if yes. you want to follow along, there, there's yep. you, you can try it out for free. MarketStructureEdge.com. So if you want to, to do the clicks while Tim is doing them, and you have the expert showing you how to do it right now, go and try that out. Thank you, Luke. And so you'll, I'm going to use airlines and cruise ships very quickly here to illustrate what I've been talking about the whole time. You know, it's like Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off. If you, I'm dated myself, Luke. That's way before your time. Uh, but the karate kid, you know, did these repetitive motions. Well, I've been talking about demand and supply. Market structure sentiment is demand. 
Short volume, the percentage of trading coming from borrowed stock, not short interest. Short interest is a 1974 measure. It doesn't reflect how the market works. Short volume is a 2009 measure that came out by, that's regulated by FINRA uh, that came out of Dodd-Frank and the financial crisis. And so if you look at airlines and cruise ships, and we know that demand should be above five, that the returns come when things spend time above five, uh, we'll look at that. That's not good. Sure, things can move short term. There were some gains to be had in certain of these issues. But if I look at the central tendency of demand, demand doesn't look good. Supply is better, but it rose above the trend line as well. So I would look at that and say, well, I'm not going to be in that. And in fact, if I look across the entire dashboard, this will cover the whole equity market. So I can break it out into cannabis stocks or clean energy or cloud computing, all things I've created. We create things like these sectors uh, portfolios for you, and they update to keep track of what's changing in those sectors. Look at the trend lines. Do I like those trend lines? The best one here is consumer staples, and it's barely back to five. Uh, consumer discretionary, some couple of the fangs are in consumer discretionary, couple are in communication services, others are in tech. These trend lines don't look great. So even though the market has performed well, I look at this and say, this is coming out of derivatives. There were weak, there was weak demand with new options. There were bets against that that were profitable. But I look at the underlying equity demand and it's not great. Let's go to this Benzinga Bootcamp July 24 portfolio and we'll conclude with three things. Let's look at Let's look at NVIDIA. It's oftentimes the most popular stock in all search engines, often the most popular uh, with the Edge mob here at Edge. And it, this is what it tells us. It's a one. So it's at the absolute bottom of the scale and it's bottomed and it's about 46% short, uh, trades $13,000 at a time in a trade. That's what you can buy before the price changes. It's important to know. Passive money is the lead behavior. So if we look at the data here, uh, what's it likely to, we could model this. What I want to point out in this particular instance, and I want, I'm going to back up to three months, is how much time it's spent above five. That's where the gains are. This is broad, this is NVIDIA's market structure sentiment, demand. When the demand is above five and it just bounced against the ceiling and the trend line in supply, short volume is down, what's it going to do? Well, it's going to rise very predictably. And when it, when demand begins to wane and short volume rises above trend, what will the price do? It will go down. It's not perfect, but it's true most times mathematically. Well over 80% of the time that will be true. Not perfect. And you always want to be aware of circumstances. Options expirations can change that outcome. Broad market supply and demand can change the outcome. You always have to be aware of those things. What's it likely to do now? Well, it's a one, so there's a chance it will rise. Uh, we would want to model that. And I'm going to use Snap to do that. Let's go look at Snap and then Boston Beer. So these are the... And Snap had a monster day on Friday. It sure did, right? So could we have known? Would Edge have told us which direction this was going to go? Once again, we look at 1.8 trend up, 61% short. That's important to understand. There's a vital market structure lesson here. And I talked about it at the last uh, Benzinga boot camp. Uh, about how meme stocks occur. They occur on manufactured stock because of the rules. Market makers are exempt from rules around uh, having to locate short shares. But let's look at Snap. So it's a one ahead of results, and there's a downtrend in supply. Demand's at the bottom. Supply is 
is very constrained. What happens if we bought that at a one? That's what we want to know. Well, let's go model that. So I'm going to go click here and it'll take us right over to the, the profiler, the back testing engine. And it will default to a, a 90 day period and say, you want to capture the rise over five and the return to it. That's not great. But we can look at the 90 day period and say it's only been a one 15 times, a 10, 14 times. And we only want to model what exists. So we would be buying at a one. Well, what happens if you buy at a one and sell it at a 10? Well, you could get 58% in 39 trading days versus buying and holding it and getting 22% in 90 days. You're killing the S&P 500. That's how you want to use data. So the data would tell us, yes, I would buy that at a one. In those circumstances, my odds, the probabilities are very much in my favor. So now let's go look at Sam as a contrast. Horrible, basically the exact opposite, right, Luke, of what happened for Snap. By the way, Snap uses our analytics on the, the corporate side. They, they, wanted, they use our analytics to understand what the money's doing. They'll want to know those things too. So looking at SAM, let's look at the data. What's the demand side of the coin here? Well, demand is just horrific. It topped at about, you know, hit three. Well, if it doesn't even get to five, there is excess supply. Uh, the demand side doesn't look too bad, but uh, or the supply side rather, but uh, these things tell us, boy, you don't want to buy something that tops below five. You know that that's not where the returns are. Returns come above five. You know, when was the last time you, you, would, you would want to have traded SAM? Back here in April and, and uh, March and April. Since then, it's not offered us any give a good entry points. And so uh, it, because the, the, it's spending a lot more time below five than above it. And we want, we want to buy excess demand and sell excess supply. And that's what Edge does. So I think we are just about out of time, uh, Luke. I, I would just conclude yeah. with this. The, the, the data will tell you, you know, when you should be a cowboy and fold the money over and put it back in your pocket and when you can use math uh, to produce a much better return than running cattle. And uh, Edge is the new way to trade and it's very easy to use and it's built on demand and supply. So give it a try. That's Ooh. it, Luke. All right, wait, give me one more. Will you give me one more? Yeah, absolutely. So what's the favorite? Is there something in the R chat? R-O-K-U. R-O-K-Roku. One of my Roku, favorites to trade. Mo okay. Monster Day on Friday. Okay. It's an Olympics name. Let's look at one more. Okay, and then we're so, going to have to click off. So I'm going to profile it. The first thing I'm going to do is backtest that data. It's easy step number four. Always backtest your data. Right away, it tells me that even just if I just bought when it rises above five and sell when it returns there in the last 90 days, 34% return, but I only have to own it 57. I don't want to be in the market. I was in the market about a third of the last year's worth of trading days to produce a much better return than the broad market by doing this. I just follow the math. So then let's look at the data visualizations to see what happened. Uh, so here, this is actually big short covering. It's kind of unusual. I wouldn't buy this I would be leaving here. So why is this occurring? Well, look at the sharp drop. This is a short squeeze. It doesn't happen very often where you have a stark departure from the supply side because people are actually squeezed. But it's a dangerous trade. You'll know why. So not only can you look at that, you could go look at it in a portfolio and see which key behavior is leading. That can be informative. It's not predictive, but it's informative. Uh, so if I want to find out, you know, if I want to look at it, it's in the communication services industry. So I'm going to go isolate by ticker for Roku, uh, which I can just type in here. And uh, I know we'll, we'll finish fast here, Luke. I don't want to 
run over time. Yeah, producer so, Kelsey is very mean, and she always tries to keep me on schedule. She actually started her. it without me today. I, I got here seven minutes late. <laughs> <laughs> so hedge funds got squeezed. That's what it tells us. The fact that active money is the lead behavior and short volume declined. This is a case where unsophisticated hedge funds were squeezed in Roku. And if it, it, here's a, a last little tip. You know, you don't have to hot find high short interest stocks. That's that's a false correlation. It's not the reason meme stocks work. It can work in Roku. All you have to do is cre create excess demand, believe it or not. And that's the way that the market works. I didn't design it. The SEC designed it. Uh, and this is the market that we've got. So that's why it's up. But would I have bought that? Now, you can't capture everything. I would not based on the math. Uh, now, if those if, if demand rises and supply remains that constraint, then I'll trade that issue, and there are probably more gains to be had. Back to you, Luke. Boom. Tim, we appreciate it, guys. The website is marketstructureedge.com. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.